Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan beat writer for the Free. Joined through the screen across the, the street that away uh, here in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, uh, by our Big Ten insider, Reiner Sabin. Uh, we accompanied one another uh, to into University Park yesterday and State College, uh, Beaver Stadium, where Michigan beats Penn State 24-215 uh, to go to 10-0. Reiner, it was your second time to State College. Uh, we we still did have trouble getting in, <laughs> but but we but we uh, survived. Yeah, it was uh, the first time. It wasn't uh, quite as uh, happy of a happy experience for Michigan. Uh, that was in 2019, my first time there, and they lost uh, in the last uh, last minute or so, uh, which basically knocked them out of the Big Ten race. This time, you know, they took care of business uh, in their first big test of the year and have set themselves up for uh, a big cl- showdown with Ohio State in the, uh, for, all, for all the marbles and really, uh, you know, have, have kind of put, put them in position for, you know, the, again, the national championship run that they're hoping to make. Yep, that one is, of course, coming up in two weeks. We will get to that shortly. Um, but first, of course, we got to talk about uh, just a wild 24 hours. What might go down uh, as one of the crazier 24 hours, certainly the crazier weeks on the heels of a crazier month in what has been a crazy year. Uh, and uh, and none of that, I don't think, is hyperbole. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's really been something uh, how this has all developed. And then on the other side, uh, that's what we'll take a look at in the in A block. And on the other side of the break, um, what's next for, for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? Busy week off the field, going for win 1,000. In, in program history on the field. So there will be no rest for the weary uh, uh, go, going into uh, this week. But Reiner, Michigan is aboard its flight. Uh, and this is not a long flight. This, there's a 45-minute window for Michigan to be in the air. So uh, when, And they take off from Detroit. And before they've landed in State College, uh, the Big Ten has announced that Jim Harbaugh was found to violate the Big Ten sportsmanship policy. And he is suspended for... Uh, the following three games for the for the the next three games uh, for the rest of the regular season, Michigan was ready for that uh, that decision. However, things did not go according to plan after that, right? No, they uh, basically immediately uh, tried to forestall the punishment uh, by filing for a temporary restraining order, uh, hoping that they would get a judgment on that and uh, uh, basically injunctive relief before uh, kickoff. But uh, the court order ruling was not made in time for Harbaugh to coach the game. And so Sharon Moore was uh, made the acting coach at the very last minute. And it was, uh, it was again, it was a wild situation to have to uh, go through and endure right before the biggest test of the year. Yeah. And uh, and the players after the game sort of mapped it out for us. Right. Sort of how how they all find out. You get this vision of them walking off the plane, them getting the news that Jim Harbaugh is. I think it was right around like three, three thirty ish that he will not uh, get to coach. And then uh, Chris Jenkins apparently is the first one who tweets bet. Uh, all the players get together. They're like, oh, should we should we tweet it? Is it fun? Like, like should, uh, just 
that sort of new age social media, right? The, the new age of college athletics, right? There's always crypto, uh, like like crypto messages and and uh, and rally cries and all these sorts of things. Um, but I mean, I think there is clearly no doubt uh, this has brought Michigan football team closer together. One that was already a very unified group. One uh, that. Had, has won consecutive Big Ten championships, has beat Ohio State uh, two straight years, had had dismantled Penn State uh, last year, and won uh, in Happy Valley the last time it was there in 2021. So, I mean, this was a team that had all the confidence, that has belief, that has done all of these things, right? The things that this team and this program has not done comes, at, comes when the calendar reads a different month, right? But in November, Michigan has shown it knows how to win, uh, and, and it did so again yesterday. With an with an with an old school formula, right? Uh, pounded on the ground, thirty two straight runs to end it. Yeah, it was an interesting strategy that they used, but it was also very effective and and kind of a brilliant tactical remove uh, maneuver for them to counter uh, Manny Diaz's blitz happy defense, which was getting to JJ McCarthy early. It seemed like Michigan wanted to pass the ball initially and was going to lean on McCarthy as they have for most of the season. But then they uh, switched gears, went to the running game uh, to basically neutralize uh, Diaz's pass rush and and uh, the front seven for for uh, Penn State, and it, it worked brilliantly. I mean, if you don't need to throw the ball and you can effectively move the you know move the ball with the with the running game, you know why 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 risk it with with McCarthy? This was interesting because it was the first game that J.J. McCarthy played, first big game J.J. McCarthy played since the TCU game. We all know what happened there with a couple of pick sixes. And so, you know, maybe the, there was some risk-averse strategy there uh, where they wanted to uh, prevent possible turnovers or uh, giveaways and, uh, again, just lean on, the, lean on an offensive line that people had questions about going into the game but really performed well. Uh, as a as a run blocking unit, yeah, I know we talked a little bit offline about it before we got before we got going here, and uh, I think we we see it sort of overlapping, right? Uh, in in I think you're totally right that the, the game plan was to pass, um, but I don't think it was that uh, Michigan uh, did not trust JJ McCarthy or things may, like was not wanting to turn the ball over that way, so they needed to run. I, they saw he was under a lot of duress, right? The first two series, uh, I mean, he is hit and dropped for a sack on third and 11. On the first series, they have to punt. Then on third and short, uh, I mean, Chop Robinson, that was one of the fastest get-offs that, at, at the college level that I've seen. I mean, he just blows by Carson Barnhart. And J.J. McCarthy's not even to get into like a full three- or five-step drop. And he's hit before uh, before a receiver can even get open on on a short slant on a little hitch route, um, and so that's when Michigan was like, "All right, we need to get the ball out quickly." And uh, and and even even when Michigan was still quote throwing the ball, right? Those final three passes: screen pass to Samaj Morgan, screen pass to Samaj Morgan, and then a little dump off to Colston Loveland, all at the line of scrimmage, all or or behind the line of scrimmage, right? And so um, even as it was starting to adjust to that run game formula. Uh, it, it, it did so with the passing game and it was just get it out quick. So, uh, I, th- I think they saw it, they saw it early and sure you could make the, the case that, that, that is a bit of a concern, right? Michigan was supposed to be a, a pass strong team. Uh, and if you can't keep up with an elite pass rush, that's going to be a problem. However, maybe it won't be a problem if you can just revert back to your old formula and, uh, and Blake Corum can run 26 times for 145 yards and two touchdowns. Finally, Reiner, that 
is the Blake Corum that we expected uh, him to look like. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a very encouraging performance from him. I mean, he kept his legs churning and uh, uh, was able to kind of wear down Penn State's defense. Uh, you know, Donovan Edwards played his best game of the year, uh, had two big 22-yard runs, including one that resulted in a touchdown. Uh, overall, it was a really impressive performance by uh, Michigan's ground attack. It was something that Michigan fans wanted to see, even though they liked the fact that Michigan was passing now. They were still a little bit worried about where the ground attack was, and uh, reasonably so. But uh, again, they, in the biggest moment of the year, uh, the ground attack came alive and again looked like what, what we've seen in the last two years when Michigan's offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. Right. And that and that's what Sharon Moore has preached, this sort of idea, right? It's not every single run is going to hit it big, but if you continue to hammer and hammer, then they will, right? So Blake Corum runs 26 times. 16 of those go for three or fewer. That's deemed, as Michigan deems it, an inefficient run, right? On more than half of them. However, you got about five of them that went for four to five yards, and then you got five more that that went for those longer runs, a run of seven, nine. And then the real backbreakers, a 30 and a 44, right? And so uh, you just, I mean, they just say, just keep just keep pounding and just uh, keep keep hammering. Uh, even in between the tackles this time, there Michigan had, had a little success between the tackles running this year. And uh, and that obviously changed. Uh, briefly, I want to touch on Donovan Edwards um, as well, uh, who, who did, like you said, ha- had his best game, 10 carries, 52 yards, two 22-yard rushes um, all year. He had run 74 times. Four of those carries before had gone for 10 yards or more. That's just 5.4% of them, right? So clearly this is a good sign. However, I do want to hesitate and tread tread lightly or cautiously here before we say, oh, Donovan Edwards is back, right? Or he's going to have another – this is just what's going to happen. He's going to be breaking up all these, these big runs because his first 22-yard run, that should have been about a 50-yard touchdown. He had – I mean, literally half the field open, and he ran into the back of the line before he then sort of pivoted and finally found that green grass. Uh, the second, the second uh, twenty-two yard run was—I mean, that was just a great run, right? However, six of his carries went for two yards or fewer. Four went for a loss, right? So he is still getting tackled at or behind behind the line of scrimmage a lot. So a, a positive sign. Uh, I did. I do have him in my stock watch, like trending it- up. But I mean, even last year, he was a feast and feast or famine back in a lot of ways. I mean, this guy was not a person that necessarily was going to get you five yards a pop. Uh, You know, he was going to have his, you know, one and two yard, you know, sometimes get caught in the backfield for a loss and then would pop off a 40 or 50 yard run um, because he's just that kind of uh, player. So, I mean, it it wasn't necessarily surprising kind of fit with, you know, again, his, uh, his track record. Uh, you know, prior to the uh, prior to the season, uh, but again, um, like you said, I mean, there you have to uh, be a little bit uh, cautious when it comes to Edwards, as far as like whether this is really a breakout performance or not, because again, uh, at the end of the day, he still only gained fifty two yards. Right, and 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 that's why, in, in sort of on the reverse, why I'm certainly. Uh, wouldn't be panicking about J.J. McCarthy or anything like that. Obviously, as you said, a quieter game in in the moment when a lot of people were waiting to see had J.J. taken that step, right? He, I mean, he's only asked to throw it eight times. He did run it eight times as well, but uh, he does not attempt to pass. 
uh, in the final 37 minutes and 41 seconds. Technically, he threw it once, but there was a flag. Uh, so the pass did not even go in the stat book. Um, I mean, and so, but but then but then again, I I am not concerned about uh, McCarthy because he because Michigan has shown and said all year long we are going to win in what by whatever means necessary, however we need to do it right. And for many weeks, that has meant letting McCarthy shoulder the load uh, or or sort of lead uh, the offense. This time, I think they just did not feel a need to. And they and they saw sort of old school, old school Big Ten football trestle ball. Just shorten the game. Don't don't make any turnovers. Not that you think JJ is going to throw an interception or are even really that concerned about it. But there is more room for error when you pass it than you run it. And so you just it's in all aspects of the game eliminating room for error and making the other team out execute you at eighty yards, ninety yards at a time, which Penn State's offense never looked like it was going to be able to do. No, I mean, again, it, it was a smart strategy. I mean, I, I don't know what it says about, you know, again, McCarthy, I mean, as far as his Heisman odds, I mean, when, when you only throw for eight passes and uh, or you only throw eight times in the in the biggest game of the year so far uh, and you only have two big games really on, on your schedule, it, it doesn't do much to uh, appeal to voters based on what he did. Uh, again, though, Michigan is not looking to uh, or the ma- the end goal is not to have J.J. McCarthy win the Heisman is to win a national championship. And they did what they needed to do and adjusted their strategy accordingly. Again, you know, I, I think that, you know, had they not, I mean, there's a good chance that there would have been maybe a turnover there. I mean, there was, a again, that pressure that you alluded to with with Chop Robinson going around Carson Barnard, I mean, led to an incomplete pass that, you know, may have. Uh, again, it was an errant throw. It was thrown into traffic. You know, those are the passes that can get picked off. And you don't want to turn over in this kind of game uh, and give Penn State any kind of life, you know, to an offense that really, again, like you said, does can't really go the distance uh, and, and is not uh, electric enough to do so. Right. And I think heading into an Ohio State game, of course, there's Maryland next week, but not much to say there, right? No, Maryland is not going to. I mean, I guess trap game that is a potential trap game, but it does seem everything seems to be setting up for Ohio State. And I think it is in years past, and this is sort of what I wrote um, for, for this morning, is that in years past, when you win this way, Michigan winning this way, it would not be all that inspiring uh, because it's pretty much how it would have looked to this point. I think Michigan needed a game like this where it proved that it can control the tempo, move the sticks on the ground. And that Blake Corm and the and these running backs can run downhill behind their pads, behind their blockers, uh, against a defense we haven't even mentioned it. That was the number one ranked rushing defense in the country. They were giving up sixty yards per game. So when you take out the kneel downs and the sack adjusted yards, Michigan ran for four times that amount, right? And so, I think just uh, in, in years past, people might have uh, wanted to say, "Oh, uh, like, uh, like why can't JJ do it or this or that." Uh, but I think, uh, I, I think it, it was, it was a welcome sight. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, a person who, uh, covers, uh, you know, college football from a national perspective said, uh, you know, he was impressed and he, he, he looked at this team as uh, very fundamentally sound with block in the blocking and tackling. He was super impressed, you know, compared it to, you know, one of, uh, you know, LSU's, uh, 
vintage Les Miles' uh, teams uh, from back in the day. I mean, he didn't know if that Michigan quite had the athleticism of those groups, but you know, certainly that those those teams won with uh, pure execution and such. And this is this is a Michigan team that wins that way too. But they do have the added element uh, this year uh, with JJ McCarthy being able to throw the ball. So they they've shown that they can win multiple ways. That's the sign of a complete team. Overall, it's a pretty you know encouraging performance. Uh, you know, again, I mean, as, as far as it relates to you know McCarthy's Heisman odds, it's not encouraging at all. But you know, again, that's not the main goal here. The main goal here is to set yourself up for a national championship run, and Michigan did that on Saturday in Happy Valley. Just to play devil's advocate here and jump in real quick, you know, from a Michigan fan's perspective, you know, fans sometimes there's fans who are like, oh, you know, greatest team in the world, and then there's other fans who are just you know naysayers. We all know the guy who's like never happy with their own team. Just to play devil's advocate here. Michigan came into the season saying they wanted to be 50-50. They wanted to be 50-50. There was a lot of talk about, you know, playing against TCU and playing against Georgia, and they had to be more of a pass-first offense. Do you think this, you know, may be a little bit of a cause for concern, of, you know, when you get outside the Big Ten, which is where Michigan's stumbled in the last few years? That was a good question uh, from Andrew Burkle, our, our sports uh, editor and producer of this podcast. Uh, I'll go first with uh, personally – uh, I I don't I don't think it it is a concern for me because uh, mi- yes Michigan said it wants to be 50-50 pass run that did not mean 50-50 pass run balance every single game right it means being every bit as able to pass as you are to run it means the defense like Reiner said having to account for your pass and account for your run in third and four you could run it or you could pass it, right? Like it is ju- it is just complete balance and whatever we need to do to win is what we're going to do to win. That, that is the idea, as I understood it, behind Michigan's 50-50 balance. Jerome Moore uh, sort of said as much post-game yesterday and – this is and this is what that looked like it, on the on this day. It looked like forty six runs and eight passes. Now I don't ever foresee that flipping and getting to forty six passes and eight runs. Obviously, you would certainly be probably very far behind in that game if you were doing that initially. Um, but it's uh, but no, I don't think you have to. It does not have to be twenty five and twenty five for you to have a good balanced offense. I would say it's a slight concern in my opinion because again, uh, you know it. I mean, Penn State's defense is good and, you know, athletic enough to create issues and maybe force Michigan to adjust in this way. But, you know, so is potentially the Georgia defense. And, you know, maybe, you know, should they encounter like an Alabama or uh, a a team like that now? I mean, it just depends on the matchups. But if they face, you know, a top-level defense, you know, it could be a problem where, you know, they – you know, might not be able to run the ball on them either, but they also will have to throw the ball. And, you know, if they can't pass protect, you know, which they didn't look like they were capable of doing very well uh, initially in the, in the Penn state game, that, that's going to be a, you know, lights out for Michigan, you know, in that sense. So, I mean, the, so there is a little bit concern, like you can't just go and hope that the running game is going to carry you. You're going to have to pass the ball and you're going to have to achieve some level of balance uh, within the game to be able to keep these elite teams uh, uh, at bay. So I think there is a little bit of concern. I can see what you're, why you asked the question because I think it's uh, I think it's a valid one. 
And it's and it's true against Penn State, you the offense does not pose the threat, right? So yes, right. you don't have you don't have in the back of your mind that concern, that race to thirty point, right? Like where oh we got to capitalize. You can just have the peace of mind of playing field position. However, Penn State has I would say a defense that is on par with or darn near it with Georgia and Alabama. Just the defensive unit, the athletes, the scheme, all of it, and Michigan found a way. To put up enough point to to beat to beat that uh, that system in its way, and so perhaps they could they can do that again. But you're but you're right. Once Michigan gets out of the Big Ten, that's when that is clearly when this team and this program and this coach needs to prove it. I'll just add that you know, uh, twenty four points is is really you know it's not as much about the running yards and stuff like that. Like twenty four points against from what we've seen from this Georgia team, who is consistently putting up a bunch of points. Like you know, you you got to get the score, and I think that would maybe be the, the the bigger concern, less so about being able to run. I'm sure they can run the ball, especially when they're bringing in six, seven effectively O line uh, members there to just basically, you know, run, run, run at all costs. I just think that as far as a points total, I you do have to you know factor in that Penn State's offense is not Georgia's offense or and stuff like that. You know, Ohio even Ohio State's offense is better than Penn State's. Well, and also, there's not, I mean, again, you're going against sometimes these, you know, more athlete, you know, defenses that are comparable. You know, again, you're not going to possibly get behind the chains with the running game. And then you're, you're facing these third and long situations where you're going to have to throw the ball. And you can't just, you know, hope that McCarthy can run for, uh, you know, 10 or 15 yards on a, on a QB keeper to keep the drive alive or, or hand it to Edwards and Quorum and put yourselves into a fourth and one situation against those teams because they just might as well stop it too. So it's just uh, it, there is a risk involved, like you said, with uh, with being so dependent on the running game and against these kind of elite teams, you know, and and then also conversely having to match, you know, touchdown for touchdown potentially with a team like Georgia. All, all fair, all fair points, um, and. And I think the play you're talking about was J.J. McCarthy's 13-yard run, yeah. third and 10, that he kept around the right side on the yeah. final play of the first quarter. That was the play that really sparked this game, right? I mean, Michigan was still down 3 yeah. to nothing and had not had a first down uh, to, mm. to that point. After that, Donovan Edwards breaks off his first 22-yard run, uh, and then Samaj Morgan, 19-yard. They go back-to-back screens uh, to Samaj, one on the left, one on the right. This, the latter on third down, 19 yards, uh, gets into first and goal. Corm scores the touchdown, and that really uh, sort sort of got things going. But um, I think I think it's fair to say you would rather McCarthy go seventeen of eighteen for two hundred and fifty yards and two touchdowns than seven of eight for sixty. However, this was not, I think, today or on Saturday, I should say, it was not a case of can't, but a case of just no need, just shouldn't. Uh, not as wise, not as smart. So. I think they lived to live to fight another day, uh, which Reiner uh, that other day is two weeks um, quickly. Some some initial thoughts about what certainly seems like it is going to be 11 and 0 Michigan, 11 and 0 Ohio State, two top three teams uh, for a spot in the Big Ten title game. Yeah, I mean, it should be a, an amazing game and uh, epic showdown, especially with all the subplots related to the sign stealing scandal and how everybody. <laughs> from from both sides is uh reacting to that so uh it sets up to be probably the most anticipated game possibly ever in this rivalry which is pretty hard to believe because there have been some um, you know amazing showdowns one versus two uh um and even what the one last, last year, year 
<laughs> I mean, last year. And uh, so it's been, it, it would be amazing in some ways that this would actually be the biggest of them all, but uh, it's setting up to be that way. We're just going to hold on until then, because uh, we, we need to brace ourselves. It is going to be uh, quite a week, quite a ride. But before that, uh, Michigan's got to get there and Michigan's got to see if it will have its head coach for that game. It's going to get a lot of answers on Friday. Um, we're going to talk about that and also the future of Michigan and its Big Ten relationship. Both sides really digging in their heels. Uh, this could get messy. I think it already has. That's next. This is Hail Yes. All right, we're back. Uh, and the question, Reiner, what's next for Michigan? Uh, many of us thought that on Friday when the Big Ten suspended Jim Harbaugh that, uh, frankly, he would be granted injunctive relief uh, and he would be able to coach in the game on Saturday. However, as many from Michigan's side uh, pointed out, uh, the Big Ten, very strategically, it appears, waited until, uh, I mean, not just – not just Friday, but Friday afternoon and Friday afternoon when Michigan was on a plane and Friday afternoon when Michigan was on a plane on a federally observed holiday, Veterans Day, uh, where courts were not open. However, Michigan saw this play coming ahead of time. Uh, they do, and, and ju- there are people on standby for these sorts of things. Courts are never 100% closed. However, uh, there's a lot of legal documents to go through. And then there was supposedly a little back and forth about the judge and and any uh, and any uh, possible um, conflict of interest. Right. Uh, and so it was just <laughs> a wild 24 hours to uh, to to get to Michigan, not having Jim Harbaugh. And the reason I bring that all up right is because Ward Manuel had a lot to say about it uh, be- before the game. And this is really where things take off, I think. Yeah, it was a very inflammatory statement from Warren Manuel that kind of captured uh, the feelings uh, that seemed to be coming out of Michigan. Uh, They seemed to be very outraged by Petit's action. And then Ward said yesterday, under the guise of the NTA rule regarding the head coach responsibility, the Big Ten decided to penalize Harbaugh without knowing all the facts, and I find that completely unethical, insulting to a well-established process with the NCAA, an assault on the rights of everyone to be judged by a fair and complete investigation. Then he went later on when and said all the head coaches in the Big Ten, parentheses, some who have been accused of actively participating in the trading of signals of opponents, and uh, parentheses, and my Big Ten AD colleagues can rejoice today that someone was, quote-unquote, held accountable but they should be worried about the new standard of a judgment without complete investigation that has been unleashed in this conference. I mean, that was a pretty inflammatory response by Ward Manuel, who generally doesn't say much of anything. He's out. Uh, yeah. I mean, according to some people who are kind of in the know, a lot of people were really surprised that he sent that out there. And it seemed like uh, something that's going to end up reverberating for quite some time. Uh, and you know, these are, there's a lot of saber rattling going on between Michigan and the big 10 right now. And, uh, it sets up for a a strange, strange time period, because again, Michigan's had a very prosperous relationship with the conference. And I don't think Petiti, you know, if, if you really asked him, would want to sanction one of its, uh, you know, 
top members in the conference. I mean, this is not something that I don't think he he took lightly. But you know, from from my understanding, it's that he he seemed pretty uh, set that this was a, a extreme violation by Michigan, and so uh, the two seemed very very um, uh, opposed at each uh, at this time. And you know, there's a lot of animus between the two sides that has built up over the last week or two. And and now there are many layers to what's happening, right? So I, th- I think on one hand, there have there have been questions about Ward Manuel's relationship and Jim Harbaugh. I think this was a strong statement uh, from Ward uh, back, backing his head coach. And Jim Harbaugh has said uh, in recent months and weeks when asked about this contract that has been off and on and off and on, uh, that he wants to be somewhere where he's wanted. And so, and, and so I, I, I don't think that's nothing. But now the question is, I mean, it, it is Michigan. It is becoming Michigan against the Big Ten. And while Michigan is a big, big brand, uh, and, and like you said, the Big Ten does not want to go against one of its top members, both academically and athletically, uh, this conference is, is expanding. Uh, it is getting a national front footprint. USC is coming in. Oregon is coming in. Washington is coming in. UCLA is coming in. Uh, not that anyone really has the the Michigan the that brand, but you are not. It's I think the Big Ten's message to Michigan is you are not the only. It's not that you're not irreplaceable, but you're not the only fish in town. You are not the only team and the only people who we have to keep in mind here. We have 13 other league members who are pissed off just like you are, um, and and I think that was. That was how how uh, Petiti acted, obviously, in, in Ward's letter that you just read part of. The issue is the precedent it's setting, not letting due process play out. That is sort of the, the line that has been played out uh, from Michigan's side. But yet again, nobody has yet denied the allegations that are being put forth against Michigan, right? And that is why, and which we got into uh, in, in a video we recorded uh, a couple of days ago, that is why the Big Ten said, we, we kind of feel the need to act to act right now. The Big Ten said it too, right? Like you didn't deny cheating. Uh, we have determined what you did already. Right. And, you know, again, this is, uh, this is something that could really affect their relationship, you know, the long term, damage it irreparably. I mean, they talked about irreparable harm that could be caused by the players with the suspension. But I, I think the relationship could be, you know, beyond repair maybe too, uh, given the fact that, uh, you know, it's been so uh, they, they seem to be so opposed to, you know, and there's and completely on opposite sides of this thing where there's no, uh, you know, understanding of each other's uh, uh, between the between the Big Ten and and Michigan. And it's really uh, potentially bad uh, for Michigan in the long term. I mean, again, Big Ten has authority over Michigan. Michigan doesn't have authority over the Big Ten. So. The Big Ten, Big Ten can make Michigan's life miserable, you know, with scheduling, whatever, uh, any decision that they might have a, a 50-50 or they want to just kind of maybe give some grace to Michigan. Well, they might not now. And so it's, uh, I mean, this is a be careful what you wish for kind of situation for Michigan and uh, going forward with how they, they fight this battle because they may end up losing the war in the long run. And that's the that is the big calculus, right? And it is a huge one. The the risk reward, the benefit cost benefit analysis of now versus later, right? Uh, I mean, Michigan sees a national championship in its reach, right, within its grasp, a, a realistic shot at one. And so they 
are doing everything they can to make sure that they that their team and their and their players have had that shot at that. And I think it is the the rest the rest will be dealt with when when the, when the rest is dealt with as far as Michigan's concerned. And 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 in these statements, they've said, look, we do want the investigation to happen and 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 play out and and find out what what did happen. But Michigan, but Michigan wants to, in the meantime, be allowed to play its football games, uh, which is why some people are like, eh, I don't know if that's the case and why. As we've said uh, on this podcast and, and in other avenues, it's uh, it's there's maybe not necessarily a right answer, and why Petiti and Michigan are off to a very rocky relationship in their first seven months with one another. Yeah, and, and that's uh, I mean it is cause for concern I think from Michigan's standpoint because it um, you know it, it's not just football it's it's other sports too and. Uh, and there's also politicking within the conference. I mean, ADs talk to each other. And so they maybe, you know, they're trying to rally support on one issue. And so like, I mean, to have Michigan, maybe to potentially freeze Michigan out or, or not, uh, or basically go against them or on certain issues. I mean, you can potentially see that happening because again, it seems like it's Michigan versus everybody within the own, within the conference. And that's, yeah. that's not good. I mean, you don't want to be, out on an island uh, in a confederation, which is what the Big Ten is. Right. Well, well also, Michigan was upset about sort of, or, or Michigan leadership was upset about the nature of of, of the leaks, right? Of before, <laughs> um, I believe it was Ross Dallinger of, the, of Yahoo Sports, who was notified first uh, before the Big Ten sent out its release that Jim Harbaugh would not be uh, or, or was was going to be suspended. I think uh, Michigan University of Michigan Board of Regent uh, Jordan Acker took to Twitter to or to X, whatever we want to call it, to to say as much, right? Saying there's a proper way to to relate to channel things and to to message things, and that was not it. Um, and so, very publicly, Michigan. It, it, yeah, but, but but that but Michigan but Michigan's been leaking stuff to their the media as well. I mean, it's like right. it's gone back and forth. I mean, let's. Right. Let's be honest here. I mean, this is that's that's uh, you know it's a ridiculous statement to make in a lot of ways because both sides are guilty of that. Everything, that's- everything is media leaks. In in I mean, and this is not just this situation. Look at yeah. every sports league in America. Well, and, and it's posturing on both sides, but mostly from Michigan standpoint, where they really have been posturing, you know, and uh, you know, again, saber rattling and and, and uh, mounting a public. Uh, relations campaign within uh and that that's been somewhat effective i guess i don't know if it's swayed public opinion on how uh in general outside of uh their own fan base but they are appealing to their base and the base seems to want retribution against the big 10 you know their own players within the university community seem to want that i don't know how much anybody else outside uh, ann arbor and outside the michigan program and their alumni base want that because I think even within the alumni base, there's some uh, some skepticism about their approach and what it could end up costing Michigan in the long run. Well, well, there there certainly is uh, at least that's been my, that's been my sense of it as well. And but where that 
hesitation or that trepidation comes in is sort of the the crossing. It's the the academic side of those who wear the block M. I was on a a, ra- a radio show, a local radio show uh, on, on Detroit Airwaves earlier this week, and was sort of painting this picture. I was asked, "How big a deal is this sign stealing, really?" And it's sort of I was like, "Well, what what colors do you wear, right?" Like as you said, everyone in in maize and blue has sort of bought the message of luck. We like nothing to see here. Everyone's doing it. Keep on going forward where everyone else, especially in East Lansing and Columbus, are saying to burn the program down and Joe Harbaugh's a cheater and, and, and everything under the sun. And I was like, as always, it's probably somewhere in the middle. And where that middle is, is what one caller came in and said is she's like, what about the alums who are embarrassed? Uh, and so that is it's not just it's not just one or the other. Yeah. I mean, again, you have a diverse community with uh, diverse opinions. I mean, again, smart people on, you know, that have that hold views on (laughs) different views on many different topics, uh, including this one. And so you're going to have not 100 percent on one side or the other. But it's it's something where, you know, Michigan has to has to really consider the long term effect of what, what, what they're doing in the moment. And it, right now, I, I just don't see the, the overall benefit to going this hard against the Big Ten when they have authority over you again. And Michigan does not have authority over the Big Ten. The, the tail does not wag the dog. It is the other way around. And uh, it, although Michigan is trying to make it the opposite. And this comes on the heels of like this $7 billion TV contract, right? So anybody who's saying that Michigan is a big brand and can go independent and like, look, USC just left the Pac-12, right? What's to stop Michigan from leaving the Big Ten? All right, where are they going to go? The SEC is the only other power conference. Michigan's not going to the SEC. I can promise you that, right? And so it's 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 just like there's no there's not a lot. Well, Michigan, what you think you have and, and Michigan built up a lot of clout and, well, before this whole thing, a lot of goodwill within the Big Ten. Again, they were the leading, uh, you know. As the preeminent Big Ten brand. Yeah, exactly. As far as academic and athletics, the combination of the two, they were the preeminent school in that sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe Ohio State has a little bit more on the uh, athletic side and maybe Northwestern on the ac- academics. But I mean, as far as both are concerned, and as far as the the brand itself, I mean, Michigan was the biggest brand, and so to to potentially uh, damage that uh, to fight this kind of fight when you know maybe Petiti felt like the evidence was so overwhelming, or as as he presented in his letter, seems a little bit uh, foolhardy going forward. I mean. We'll see if it ends up having a, a benefit, but even the benefit isn't guaranteed. I mean, they still, I mean, the national championship is not something that, it, 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 you know, you can bank on necessarily just by doing this. And so, like, you know, but yet they may be caught in, in a really compromised position going forward with uh, its relationship with the conference. Right. So, like, they might have put all their chips on the table and then you're saying you lose to Ohio State and then... And then what? Right. Like you didn't even make it far enough. However, I think Michigan is doing what it had to do. Um, right. I think Michigan is doing I think Michigan is doing what every school, uh, frankly, would, would do in its position. And maybe Michigan is 
I, I wouldn't even say Ohio State is is the is the number one athletic program or institution in in the, in the Big Ten. I would say it's Michigan. I mean, last fourteen Big Ten championships, a league record last year. That was there were twelve or thirteen the year before. They have won two football championships in a row. They have gone to multiple national championships in basketball in the last decade. A national championship in baseball. Um, multiple yeah, college football play, yeah. playoff appearances in a row. Yeah. I mean, Michigan. Yeah. I mean, fourteen Big Ten championships, a Big Ten record. This is the it is the deepest uh, athletic pro- program. It is, I mean, the, the the nursing, the school of business. It's, I mean, Michigan fans and supporters can get carried away with it. It's why they have widely a a, a, ba- a bad rep. But Michigan does have a lot of elite aspects of it, and and there's just no denying that. Absolutely, no. I mean, it's a, it's one of the leading, most uh, well respected public universities in the world. But they're not better or bigger than the Big Ten. Right. I mean, this is part of the deal when you sign up to be in a conference. I mean, you have to kind of play by the rules and and follow the you know line. I mean, this is uh, they they agreed to these this rule, and then they agreed to have the sportsmanship policy that they're that's and it, that's being used against them in in some ways in this situation. But it's it's part of the deal of being in the conference, and so uh, you know, again, sometimes. Uh, you just have to take your medicine. And in this situation, they don't seem to be wanting to do that. And they've really launched a very strong campaign against <laughs> their own conference. And it's, uh, uh, again, I don't know what the long-term impact is going to be, but it doesn't look like it might be good. No. And uh, those first few dominoes will start falling this week. Uh, when when Michigan football finds out if Jim Harbaugh will, will coach again or – at Maryland on Saturday as the team goes for its 1,000th program victory, or if Sharon Moore will, uh, will be the acting head coach for his third time. Jim Harbaugh has missed four of the first 10 games this season. Two different suspensions, unlike anything we have seen before. Um, but it's it's just going to keep going. I think that is a great place to leave it for now. Uh, we will talk to Jim Harbaugh on Monday. We will talk to players on Tuesday. Michigan basketball also has a game on Tuesday. Uh, and we're recording this at 10, 13 a.m. on Sunday. It will come out after that. I believe Michigan basketball will have some good news on the recruiting trail in between then as well. So a lot going on around the Michigan athletic programs. Uh, and we're here to uh, to keep you abreast every step of the way. But for now, we need to go because Reiner... Our flight leaves in just a couple of hours, so I'm on my way to pick you up, sir. Uh, For Reiner and for Andrew, uh, thanks to both of you guys. Uh, Thanks to our bosses as well, Editor-in-Chief Nicole Avery Nichols, Executive Editor Anjanette Delgado, Sports Editor Kirkland Crawford, uh, and our Audio Engineer Robin Chan. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.